The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have these conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. We hope you had the opportunity to join us for the 2020 DI Summit. It was an amazing event with great presentations. In this episode, we want to replay Jamie Fleischner's presentation. Jamie's a phenomenal DI producer, and she shared some great ideas. We hope you enjoy the replay. Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you have a special guest, uh, Ms. Jamie Fleischer. I'll let you take it over from here. Chris, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, um, it's my great honor and privilege to introduce what I consider not only a phenomenal income protection specialist, um, a very wonderful person, a dear friend, a wife, a mother of two. She's had to deal with them at home because they're boys and they're just about ready to be done. Actually, they are done with school, but we've had many a conversation about being stay-at-home teachers. With that Quick introduction, I would like to introduce, again, a very dear friend and colleague, Jamie Fleischner, who has one of the most successful DI practices that I've ever seen. Jamie, the floor is yours. Thank you for attending this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Hold on. Let me just make sure I've got this going on. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for organizing everything. This is really great, and I'm amazed at the amount of attendance that we have. I think it shows the strength of our industry. So... um, And I've learned so much just from everybody. So I really appreciate everybody being here today. Um, So, you know, I was doing, I was thinking about what could I possibly offer other people? Obviously I'm preaching to the choir. We all know the importance of disability insurance. We're learning all different facets of it. So I think what I'm going to talk a little bit more about is how I run my business, how I run my life and Uh, make it successful. And so hopefully I can offer some information for other people that they can take with them. Um, I know Zoom fatigue is a a real thing. And so I'm going to try to be as engaging as possible, as quick as possible, and give you nuggets of information and hopefully excite you and motivate you to take some new ideas with you. So what can I possibly offer you that other people haven't already? What can I do that can help you be more productive in your business and in your life. So as Mike mentioned, I run a very, very busy um, life and household. I have one husband, two teenage boys, and three border collies. So things are always going on here in our house. Um, I write about 1,000 applications per year, and I walk an average 40 to 50 miles per week. I see family and friends regularly. I sit on boards. Um, and I managed to take a ton of time off to volunteer and to travel. Before COVID, I was traveling probably 10 to 12 weeks a year, domestically, internationally, everywhere. I don't have a lot of staff. In fact, I, it's just my husband helps me with some of my stuff. I don't have a large staff, and I don't have nannies or babysitters. So how the heck do I do all of this? And what are some things that I can help all of you think about that, can, that you might be able to incorporate into your life to make you more efficient and um, make you a better producer, maybe a better spouse, whatever it is that you want to try to be. So I live in very, I'm going to put it in very simple terms, the different things that I do that um, I live by. 
I set my priorities. I live very intentionally. I have a lot of systems of operation. Some things I'm gonna cover a lot more than others. So first of all, it's important to determine what is important and what isn't. Uh-oh, is my internet unstable? Okay. Determine what is important, what isn't. If you spend all your time chasing things that are not important or not in your marketplace or products you're not familiar with, you're going to miss the opportunity to focus on the things that are important. If you're spending your time volunteering or attending things or meeting with people you don't want to meet with or prospects that aren't going to go anywhere, you're wasting your time. So you need to think about what is important and what isn't important. So my main priorities, my family and my relationships, my health, my business. I do have other goals and priorities, but those are the things that I set first and foremost. Then I make space for other things if the time allows. So it's important for you to identify it. Um, this also goes along with focusing on what you want to do in your practice. So I'm very niched in my marketplace. I, I do primarily disability insurance and term life insurance, and I'm very niched in that marketplace. If somebody contacts me who doesn't fall within that category, maybe it's long-term care, maybe they are older or have significant health issues, or they're not really one of my top prospects, I refer it out. I don't want to waste my time trying to learn other products or try to be all things to all people. So again, I know exactly who I want to work with. And if they don't fit that profile, they're out of here. So you cannot be all things to all people. The people that are really successful in this business in pretty much in most businesses are the people that really focus and have a niche marketplace because they become experts at what they do. So I become referred to so many different people because people say, hey, you need to talk to Jamie. She knows what she's doing. My, these people contact me. They say, I want you to give, I want to do what my friend did with you. And you become an expert in that field. Um, and you do a really good job of it because you know what you're doing and you're able to answer all of the questions. So again, I identify your priorities in your life, identify your priorities in your business and stay focused on that. The next thing is just intentionality. You, you need to know what your goals are and your priorities are, but you need to be very intentional about your time and how you spend your time, your money, your resources um, in order to accomplish those goals. So for example, I'm very protective of my calendar. So I use a system called Calendly. That's a new thing that I've incorporated. So it's at the bottom of my um, signature. So clients can actually click on it and schedule times that they want to meet with me or talk with me. I block out 5 a.m. to 10, well, during COVID, 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., and then nothing after 5 p.m. So nobody can contact me, bother me, schedule anything during that time. So between 5 a.m. and 10 a.m., that's when I get up. I'm most productive. My teenagers are nocturnal, so I don't even see them till the afternoon. I'm able to get a lot done. I get up, I get my exercise done, and I take care of my inbox. I am so much more productive when I don't have all these people calling me or the kids or anything else going on. So you need to be very intentional about your schedule. Um, and then on Saturdays, I, I turn my computer off. I don't even read my emails. I don't want to be bothered. I want to be, I want to have a reset button. So that's also really important. The other thing about taking control of your schedule is you need to have, I set aside different times for either different rituals or to take care of different things. So for example, Sunday nights, I do all of my underwriting. So 
especially in disability insurance, underwriting can be a huge deal. At any given time, I have about 250 to 300 open underwriting cases. So it's really important for me to go through all of those, look on the, the ones, the companies that actually have websites that I can look it up. It's great. And then I keep track of all of that and I contact every single client on Sunday nights and let them know the status of their case. That way I'm not responding and playing defense all week with people saying, what, what's going on my case? Or do I need to do this? Or I'm not spending all this wasted time doing that. I anticipate what they need and I do all of that on Sunday nights. That way I start Monday morning. It's a clean slate. Mondays I go through, you know, Sunday night I also look at my whole schedule, what's going to be happening that week and take care of anything I can get off my desk so I can start the week clean. The next thing I do Mondays is I go through all of my uh, policies that have increased options available and I contact all of those clients. So again, every Monday I can have a couple dozen, anywhere from 10 to 20 new ones that come in that week. So I contact every one of those clients and I email it to them and I have a system of doing those because so many people in our business, they write the policy and they never follow up. And the biggest, big source of your future income and your future sales are taking care of your existing clients. And it's an opportunity to talk to those clients because oftentimes you contact them and they say, oh yeah, I, I have a new job. And by the way, we had a baby. I need life insurance. Oh, you should talk to my friend. It opens up opportunities for so much more new business. But if you're not following up with them, somebody else will. I have a lot of people who come to me and say, I bought this policy six, eight years ago. My friends told me about you. I've never increased it. Can I increase it through you? course. So don't lose out on that opportunity. It's really important that you have a system to keep track of those and follow up with those people on a regular basis. Tuesdays, I do all my follow-up. So I keep track of my open cases and I follow up with people just to see if I can move things along where they are in the decision process. So I do all of that. If I don't do that on Tuesday, and again, it just kind of goes away, you may never follow up. You miss the opportunity to make those sales. So it's important to figure out the different items or things that you need to incorporate in your business when you're going to do them and just have specific times of the week that you're going to do that. I do that in my personal life too. Friday nights, we have a nice dinner. We eat in the dining room. Saturdays, well, I used to go out to a nice lunch with one of my kids or I go do a drive or I, you know, I, I have all these different rituals that I do. Um, even now, we're creating new rituals of different things that we can do so we know uh, we get something to look forward to. And then you're not wasting time trying to figure out when things are going to get done or not done. And it takes a lot of mental energy to make all of those different little decisions. So again, if something doesn't align with your goals or it doesn't, it's not going to move you along, you just have to say no. I've been asked to be on boards. I've been asked to volunteer. I Sometimes people want to get together and, you know, they may not be one of my A-list Friends, I just, I have to say no, my time is limited and I'd rather put my time and effort into the people and the business and the parts that are important to me. So the next thing that I'm going to talk about, and this is probably where I'm going to spend the most of my time is I have a lot of systems and this is how I keep track of my business. Um, and I've been doing this since I started in the business back in 93 and I really started doing the spreadsheets back in 96 when I went out on my own. So I have spreadsheets and I can document every single piece of business that I have done going back to 1996. 
And so by keeping track of this data, I'm able to find the trends. I can, I'm not kidding myself if I'm doing better than last year or worse than last year. And it also allows me to set the proper goals. Um, and it also allows me to keep track of everything. Again, when you have a high volume, I mean, I, sometimes I lose track of people's names or they set, it's, everything starts to blur together. It allows me to really stay organized. So the first spreadsheet that I have is underwriting. This is my most important spreadsheet because this is what keeps track of everything. If you don't have some way of monitoring all your underwriting, especially if you want to really build up your business, you are going to kid yourself and things will fall through the cracks. So on my underwriting spreadsheets, what I do is I have them by each company. And then when I turn in a new piece of business, I put in the date, I put in the name, the email, the, um, the company, the type of product and the status. And anytime anything changes on anything in the underwriting, um, they ordered an attending physician statement or they requested records for something or they need financials. Everything is updated and that is always live. So I can always go on and look at that on a um, regular basis. So if somebody does contact me on a Thursday and say, what's going on in my case, I can look it up and I can say, we're still waiting on medical records from Dr. Smith. So that is really, really critical. And then I color code it. So new cases yellow. So I know those are active. Once all the requirements are in, they turn to aqua. And that way I can contact the companies and say, you've had all the requirements for a week. What's the status on this case? I, on Sunday nights, I can blind carbon copy all my aqua ones and say, all the requirements are in. We're just waiting in approval. Green means it's approved. So then again, I can keep track of it and I can contact the company and say, where's the policy? These have been approved. And I can keep track of, you know, we're waiting on it or they need to issue it. You know, they're human too. They drop the ball sometimes. And then once I send the client, the, uh, the policy turns red. And that way I know actively I need to continue to contact that person because nothing really matters until the client signs off and that's placed in force. So that's really important. So again, I can follow up with each of those people individually. And then I can also blind carbon copy all of the people and say, we're waiting on um, you to send back your requirements. So I can email 50 people at one time if we have that many outstanding policies and we can get it done. So it's really, really important that you have some kind of method of um, keeping track of your underwriting. If you do have staff, it's, you can do one that's actually a live document on Google. And that way, if they put something in or you put something in, you have a live document, you know at any given time, and they know at any given time what's happening with each case. The next spreadsheet that I put together is open cases. And so this is how I monitor when a prospect comes to me and I um, either talk to them or I email them some quotes or whatever the status is, I can keep track of that. Because again, at any given time, I, I can accumulate um, hundreds of open cases and it's just too hard to remember this person and when did you talk to them and what happened. And so I keep track of all of that um, on a regular basis. And then also I can blind carbon copy a bunch of them as a, just a generic follow-up or I can individually or they say call me in June or whatever it is. So I can keep track of all of that. Um, when they actually say they want to buy, then they come out of the open cases and they move up to the list and I say, we've sent them an application or we started that process because again, how many people do you send an application to and they never follow up or they forget about it? Or so again, it just allows you to keep track of people and to nudge them. So assuming that you can take your open cases and convert it into a new client, then we get into the different business spreadsheets. So 
this I started again very early on in the business. So I um, have a spreadsheet when I turn in an application and I have the date, the name, the, their email address, their occupation, the product, and then the premium commission and renewal. So I have all these spreadsheets. So at any given time, I can look and see where am I year to date, how much have I um, turned in with business for company A, B, or C, am I, where am I in relationship to last year, or how is my May this year versus three years ago, or whatever it is. So I keep track of all the business turned in. When something is placed in force, it goes to the bottom of the spreadsheet and it's a different color. So that way I can actually, again, nothing matters till it's actually placed in force. That way I'm able to look at the ratio of what have I turned in and what actually gets placed in force. Because as we all know, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So it's really important to keep track. And again, um, it keeps me motivated because I look at it and I say, gosh, you know, sometimes I get upset if I'm not where I want to be or I'm you know, excited when I'm ahead of where I want to be. That's what really keeps me going in the business is just to challenge myself and see if I can beat last year. I always just want to try to, I'm a competitive person, I always want to beat last year's. Once I put that in, I have a separate spreadsheet and that suggests keep track of all the production with each, with each company. So again, at the end of the year or at the end of the month or whenever, I can tally it all up and I can see what percentage is being turned in and placed with each company. So that's really important. Without having all of the data, it's really hard to have a sense of where you are. It's hard to have a sense of how much you have in renewals and it's really hard to set future goals. So you know, as my business has evolved and changed, I can really kind of see the trends and say, okay, my average case size went up or wow, I'm really doing a lot more term insurance or I used to place more with this company versus that company. So it's really important. And then again, of course, at the end of the month, I have my own, I tally everything up and I keep track of that. Um, and then I have a year to year one as well. So I, again, I can go back all the way back to 1996. And sometimes it's kind of fun to look back and see where you came from. Um, and see how far you've become, how far you've come. So, um, but you know, a lot of people, you can keep track of it however you want, but I think the bottom line is for me, the fact that I do keep track of everything, it allows me to have a real sense of what is happening in my business. And I'm not kidding myself. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm sure it's all fine. There's just too many things to keep track of. And so if you don't write it down and you don't keep track of it, you'll totally forget. And it's, and it is kind of fun to look back and see how things have gone. Um, and then the last thing that I was going to talk about was efficiency are the ones that are more automated and that are more efficient. So again, I tend to like to place more business with the companies that are more efficient and are more automated because Again, with the high volume, I need to be able to communicate with underwriters. I need things. Even with COVID, I mean, it has to be forwarded and then I have to mail it to the client. It is so inefficient and frustrating. And so there are times that I just, I, I don't want to um, do as much business with those companies because it's just cumbersome. So you want to be able to uh, work with the companies that are automated, that are efficient, um, and then you could put together some of your own ways of keeping track of some of those things. There's automated emails, there's automated efficiency things that you can do as well. So that's the things. Now, one of the things I actually was going to say is there's a really good book. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek. I read this years ago and I realized I already incorporated a lot of this, but it's by Timothy Ferris. 
if you're looking to have a fun read during COVID, but it talks about the four hour work week. And a lot of people say, there's no way I can do that. But I look at so many people and you think how, wherever they are, they're always checking their emails. Do you really need to check your emails like 10 times a day? They're at a stoplight and they're checking their emails or they're out, you know, with their kids and they're not really with their kids. They're checking their emails. So again, if you can really be more efficient and you can check your emails at the beginning of the day, you know, maybe once or twice during the day. And then at the end of the day, you're going to be so much more efficient instead of, again, playing defense and constantly trying to take care of different things that are really not going to be that efficient. You're kind of going through the motions, but you're really not as efficient as you can be. So the next part of the talk, I was just going to sort of talk about the different things that, again, I, I did this talk when I was um, in Orlando in the fall at one of the breakout sessions. So these are just some other things. Let's see how we're doing on time. These are just some other things that um, I carry with me and some advice that I have for other people that want to improve themselves or improve their business. So again, we talked about setting specific goals. Um, the next one is ask for others to help you and share with others. So we, none of us have all of the answers and there's always things that come up. And there, we're obviously in a really sharing business, which is very unusual. I mean, we're competitors and we're sitting here sharing all of our ideas. Um, I had a lot of mentors and a lot of people that have helped me. Mike has helped me over the years for 20 plus years. Um, and so he's somebody I can rely on. If I have a question, I know I can contact him. And if he doesn't have the answer, he can find the answer. There are a lot of people out there who want to help you. Um, and then on the flip side, don't be afraid somebody reaches out to you, you should help them as well. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself. I think this is really important in this whole COVID environment that we're in. I think it's also really important to sometimes just get back to basics and make sure you're taking care of yourself, you're eating. Um, like I mentioned, my teenage boys, their routine is completely off. They're nocturnal now. So it's really important. Um, trying to get them on a routine, not very easy. Um, the other thing is, is don't worry about everyone else. I mean, I, there's so many people in the business that, you know, that complain to my company reps, it's not fair. She writes more or, you know, she's not doing this. I've had so many different brokers try to tear me down. Don't do that. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Be, have integrity don't ever tear down any of the other people in the business. I never badmouth anybody else in this business. I, some of my best friends are in this business. So it's really important um, to act with integrity. And so many, it really turns off the clients too. I've had so many clients. They've shown me what other agents say and it, they run. And then they come to me and say, you know, that they're just really unethical. And it's really, um, it's really unfortunate. Uh, the next thing is be willing to walk away. So, I think I knew I was finally in the business when I fired my first client and I was so scared to do it, but it was so liberating. So uh, now it, I almost get enjoyment out of it when I say, I don't think we're going to work together. I would say probably nine times out of 10, then they come walking back and running back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I really want to work with you. And I just, I don't think we're a match. I'm not going to get along necessarily, or I want to work with every single person. There's some people that I just won't tolerate some of their, their ways. So, or we're just not going to be a big, good fit. So be willing to walk away. Also, if you're working on a case that they are not going to make a decision and they're not a good prospect and you get to a point where you know it, move on. Don't waste your time trying to sell. Um, 
sometimes you're not going to make any headway. And sometimes when you do walk away later on, they come back. A lot of the sales I make, these cases have been open for months, sometimes years. Sometimes people, it's a lot of it is just timing. So you need to know when to walk away. Um, the other thing is technology. I think it's really important. I mean, again, we've been talking about a lot of these things, but it's really important that you incorporate technology. Mike and I just um, incorporated DocuSign into our thing. Um, using I use Calendly. There's a lot of different types of things that I've tried to incorporate to help my clients, to make their lives easier, to make my life easier. So it's important that you stay on top of it because obviously it's constantly changing. Um, in our business, and we've seen some, it's really important that you connect with these people and you learn from them and you build those relationships. Um, the most successful people in our business are the ones that really connect with others in the industry. Um, and it is a relationship business. It's also important that you develop really sincere relationships with your clients. Um, I've gotten some of my clients have become very, very dear friends of mine. I always send them gifts of gratitude when they send me referrals or when they have babies or when they get married. So it's really important that you nurture those relationships. Um, and then the last thing is you need to remember your purpose. So we've heard so much about disability insurance, the ins and outs of the industry, but there are some days where it just drives you crazy and you forget why you're doing this. And you need to remember the importance of what we do and the difference we're making on everyone's life. I had a really, really big claim um, last year of a client of mine. She's my age, mid forties. And she, I wrote a policy on her when she was right coming out of medical residency over 20 years ago, she's an orthopedic surgeon. And she's totally completely disabled and she's getting $25,000 a month with COLA um, for the next 20 plus years. So, and she sends me, you know, she texts me pictures. She's in a wheelchair. She sends me thank you notes and I keep in contact with her and it just makes you realize that it made such a difference in her life. She would have been absolutely destitute without this disability insurance. So it's really critical to remind ourselves of the importance. If you're new in the business and you don't have those stories, reach out to other brokers or agents who might have some of those stories. Go to lifehappens.org, um, watch some of those videos because you have to absolutely know, not just feel or think, you have to know that what you're doing is absolutely helping people. Because if all you're doing is selling a product, you won't be nearly as successful. So that is critical. So Mike, that's all I have. I don't know how I did on time. Jamie, we're fine and thank you very much. I just have a couple of quick questions. Uh, we've got just a couple of minutes left, well, around five or so. So let me ask you a couple of questions. One is I know you have this um, unrelenting passion for this business. Can you, can you explain where that came from real quick, if you don't mind? Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't really get into my story and how I got into the business. I came into the business. My dad's been in the business for 50 years. And so I grew up in the business. So I was exposed to it, but I didn't really, again, I knew it was, it sounded pretty interesting, but I didn't really know what it was about. Um, early on in my career, my first year in the business, my mom became very sick, was waiting for a double lung transplant while living with me. And so I took care of her for 18 months before she passed. And so she had a disability policy that helped sustain her. And so I think having that type of experience early on just developed a huge amount of um, passion for the industry and the difference that we can make. 
Thank you. Another question, and that is awesome because, you know, your passion is unrelenting. And, and we all know that, as we even heard Erwin two days ago, this isn't data. You know, you run your business through statistics, data, and procedures. But to sell this stuff, you got to believe that it's the real deal. And it really yes. does make a difference. That being said, let's talk about future purchase options for a second. What it has done for you, what your quick procedure for future purchase options are, because as you've told me numerous times, Mike, I don't have to underwrite this one. And just explain you know, how that's you the do low it hanging and fruit. And I think, yeah, and I think that's, that's the missed opportunity that so many people in our business don't pursue. And so I um, keep track of it through my database in terms of when policy anniversaries are coming up or when they're available. And then I also go on the company websites because most of the companies will actually list when those are available to the clients. So I have um, just an email that I send. I copy and paste them. You're, you know, currently you have X amount of benefit. You have this opportunity to increase your uh, coverage if your income has changed attached is the form. So I, I talk to them about it and then I actually send them a hard copy as well because again, sometimes emails just go and because I think it is so important that they receive it. I make it as simple as possible for them to go through that process. And how many people would you, you can guesstimate this for me, how many people would you guess actually accept the future purchase option? Regardless of carrier and how they work, how many of your clients accept the future purchase option going forward? I would say probably about two thirds accept it when it's available. A lot of them do. If they've had a change in income, um, if they're eligible, I mean, if they're sure. you know, not eligible of those who are eligible, I would say probably about two thirds. Um, and so that's a pretty, really big part of my business. It's, it's a large volume, but it's very low maintenance. I, all I have to do is get a you know, tax return or something. It's very simple. So I think you would, because you've alluded to this a couple of times this morning, I think you would say the one thing that's really good about the whole disability insurance or income protection world is once you have it done, once you have systems, once the insured is done, in other words, they've written the check and they're insured, there's not a lot of work left to do, which leaves you ample time to do other things for you, it's, your family. Yeah, it's really low maintenance. Yeah. So I think that the service, it's a... Uh, service industry. Um, however, I think there's still opportunities to stay in touch with clients, which I think a lot of people don't. I still, you know, reach out to clients on a regular basis. I think it's important just to stay in front of them and it's still important to take care of them. You don't want your client to get a policy, throw it in their drawer, and then 20 years later, the policy is not enough to take care of their mortgage. You know, then you defeated the whole purpose of getting them the insurance in the first place. So um, I think a lot of people in our industry, because it's, it doesn't require a lot of service, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to stop servicing them because there are a lot of opportunities for future business. Well, I actually remember the orthopedic surgeon claim from last summer. And yeah. I, I would say without going into great detail, I think she contacted you every day, twice a day to make sure that these were legit, that she was going to get paid, she was extremely nervous, and I think I remember the relief that she felt because you told me when she started to get paid that it was yes. the real deal. I mean, she was, her she, yeah, she called in tears. Well, first of all, she was in significant pain. She had to have a couple surgeries and she was in horrible pain and didn't, and was scared. She's really scared. And so my job was to reassure her 
that yes, everything is going to be okay. Now, of course, it's not my job to, you know, acknowledge, yes, you're absolutely going to be paid. That's the company's job. But my job was to relay her fears and to listen to her and reassure her that she's going to be okay. Two more quick, and then we can finish up and wrap up this morning. Again, thank you. One, I also read the four-hour work week. Uh, it's not because I'm a slacker, because there are some funny things in that book, as you can, as as you mentioned. It's a good read because there are some funny things in it. Besides, it, it, you actually work more than four. But the one thing that I did take away is the same thing big that you took away, and it was email three times a day, morning, noon, and night, and that's it. And it can be very liberating, as you as you alluded to. Um, so I would suggest to everybody, if you get a chance, read the book, because it's not only kind of humorous, um, but there are some really good tips in there. Last but not least, uh, and we can finish with this, and again, thank you for participating this morning. This has been awesome. But you've mentioned a couple of times, and I just want you to, again, reiterate, the year after year, writing $1 more, <laughs> the competitive part of you, how important that really is to you. I just want you to just one more time, like I said, I have to tell everybody, my kids 50 times, how important that really is to you to year after year, right? At least one dollar more than you did previous. It, it, yeah, I, every year I have to do better than the year before or I will just go nuts. I mean, it's, it's silly because it's not necessary, but it's necessary for my own, probably my own ego, just to see if I can do it. I just need the challenge. I always need some kind of new challenge. Um, and I think it keeps me from being complacent. I think uh, it's really easy to just get complacent because I have a good block of business. I've got existing clients. I've been doing this so long. But I think I need to have that consistent challenge of year after year just to set it out there, just to have a goal. Otherwise, I worry that I'll go backwards, and I don't want to do that. Well, this was phenomenal. And again, I'd like to thank you so much for participating in this first annual three-day COVID summit. Hopefully you, Jeff, and I can get together for lunch one of these days for real, um, <laughs> sit down and have our wonderful conversations. And with that, Chris, I'll turn it back to you. And Jamie, again, thank you so thanks, much Mike. for your insight. Jamie, thanks, everyone. Jamie, can I ask you one question before you go? Of course. Um, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate everything. Great presentation. With somebody who has hundreds of VI applications going on at any one time, I know a lot of our participants are saying, what does she do from a prospecting or marketing standpoint to be able to create that? So I just thought maybe I'd, I'd ask that before I let you go to kind of maybe give us a, a tip or two in that area. So prospecting, so again, it's really evolved over the years. At this point, it's pretty much primarily just referrals, just because I've already have such a large base of clients. And again, contacting existing clients for increase options generates other business for other things. And then there's different touch points and you get a lot of uh, referrals that way. Um, I always, if somebody contacts me only for life insurance, I always mention disability insurance, vice versa. That generates quite a bit. Uh, I don't necessarily have a specific marketing plan, um, but I do have, you know, sort of my specific marketplace. And so again, if somebody doesn't fit in that marketplace, I, I turn it away. Awesome. I appreciate that, Jamie. Again, thanks for your participation. You're welcome. Thank you.